0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to HubShots, episode 175. We talk about contact cleanliness and contact smarts. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one hubspot focus podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, features, and strategies for growing your marketing and sales results. My name is Ian Jake from Search and Found, and with me is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. Craig, welcome to the late night episode of HubShots.
1: Yes, that's right. It's uh, just gone 10 o'clock at night as we've started recording this. We've spent far too much time getting distracted as we were planning tonight's show.
0: I know. And you know what? This is after a night of running the HubSpot user group in Sydney. So it's kind of like we've had two late nights. This is like the tail end of... Hug, isn't it?
1: It's so much HubSpot goodness. That's all I can <laughs> say. And we're going to we're actually going to cover a whole bunch of things today in the episode, which I think will be really practical and useful. But before we do, let's chat about last night and the Hugcast.
0: Last night at the Sydney HubSpot User Group, we had, well we attempted to record the third Hugcast, which was a combined podcast between. Inbound Buzz and Hub Shots with Moby Sadiq. Yeah,
1: this was a brainchild of Moby. So he thought, well, we'll talk about what podcasting is and how to get started and tips and tricks and equipment and all kinds of things. And to make it kind of meta, he said we will record it in front of an audience. So it was a podcast recorded live in front of the user group audience talking about podcasting and some good questions came of it as well. And we've got some photos in the show notes and also a link to the deck. So, the slide deck that Moby put together. And uh, look, it was just good to have kind of the third crossover episode of Inbound Shots. Always good chatting with Moby, isn't it?
0: It was a good night just after Inbound 19. And we thank you to WeWork because they generously have us there. Such a
1: good venue. It's such a cool vibe there at WeWork. I love WeWork. Get along to our next one in November. November 27 if you're in Sydney or else check out... The global site for HubSpot user groups—you'll find them all around the world. Actually, just before we uh, move off the user group, it was great start to the night from Elliot Chapman giving yes, a, Elliot an some excellent gold. tip. We
0: actually we should we put could
1: steal it. that and put it in our tip of the night because he covered what did he cover? He talked about
0: contact views,
1: filters, filters. Sorry, yeah, yes. in all objects, contacts, companies, deals. Yeah. yeah.
0: And actually, if you're keen, we should put a link in the lesson. Uh, there is a HubSpot Academy lesson that Elliot has, which actually talks about all of those contact filters. Well,
1: that's right. Well, actually, if you follow the link in our show notes to the deck from last night's HubSpot user group, and then you find one of the slides, there'll be a slide that actually links off to Elliot's HubSpot Academy mini course. So check that out. Before we leave, sorry, I know I've done a double exit on this one. But before we leave, the final session had Tony Eads and Jamie Shell. Talking about their insights and takeaways from Inbound. So that was good. Now, that was all recorded as well, I think. So we can actually make that available. It was just a great night. And so many people were so kind and came up and gave us good feedback about it. The food was good as as usual.
0: Now, Craig, talking about Inbound 20, I think we've got some speaker suggestions. You know what? I think
1: HubSpot really need to go for it big time. Next year. And in terms of speakers, you know who I'm wanting to see? Well, actually, you say, who Who do you want to see first? I think I'd love to see Sir Richard Branson. Richard Branson, and I'd like to see Tony Robbins. If they could get both of them. That would be fantastic. We'll <laughs> like, yeah, be there, um, right? Yeah, <laughs> That's
0: right. By the way, you were telling me how many people actually attended? So, yesterday, when we were at the Sydney HubSpot user group, there was a mention of 26,000 people 20? descended on Boston for... Inbound nineteen. Wow! Because when I went back, when was
1: that? Uh, I went for three years. Three years years ago, and the first time I went, I think there was just on ten thousand. Maybe they just got over ten thousand. Now it's almost triple
0: the size. Wow! And it's not just about marketing; it's really about what I described it to be. It's about an experience. It's an experience. It's It's an an, it's an event, right? It's an event. Yes, but anyway, regardless, we'd love to see Tony Robbins and Sir Richard Branson. All right, Craig, on to HubSpot marketing feature of the week. And this is going back to contacts and about finding the hard-bound contacts. Now, I'm going to take it one step back. What is a hard bounced contact, Craig?
1: Well, the best example is when they've left the company and uh, their email is no longer in existence. So, it'll just bounce right back. You can get it from some other events happening, but that's kind of the main one.
0: Yeah. Now, I have seen in terms of other bounces that happen, and it might be marked as hard, certain companies in their spam filters might say that they don't want to get email from certain providers, and that gets marked as well.
1: Okay. So, block providers. Yeah. Correct. And I think, you know, the other one, I think this might be a soft bounce though, is when the inbox is too full, comes back as a soft bounce, but yeah, it's still not a good sign. Deliverability issues, nonetheless.
0: Correct. So, what we want to highlight is that there are under more tools in your list. There's actually a really easy way of creating a list of hardbound contacts or adding hardbound contacts to an existing list. So, we'd encourage you to actually have a look at that because this really should be reviewed. Pretty much after every time you're sending email
1: marketing why this is good is because previously what you'd have to do after you send an email is go into the individual email oh those are the ones that bounce okay I'll add them to a static list the time-saving here because this is new and we've got the link to the HubSpot um, post about it is it just means you can do it from this and you can get them all so that's fantastic yeah, feature. A, ti- a time saver now there's one other thing though Something called global bounces, Global bounces, yeah. Now, I'm not entirely sure of the full details of this, but you tick it on. And what they do is because HubSpot's across so many portals, if there's an email address that's in your portal that they know has bounced because other portals have tried to send to it, there's this global sense of it's a bounce. And so, you can include those and automatically get them, even though you might not have sent them out to get them back and had the bounce... HubSpot helps you out. Oh, I think that's really cool. Yeah. You that's know, the real benefit of this kind of system. Exactly.
0: And you, you know, one thing I discovered, how I realized this was happening was one day when I added a contact in, I don't think it was our portal, but when we were doing some work with a customer and I was adding it in and they said, oh, we cannot send email to this contact because of this particular reason. I was like, how did it know that? And this is probably the reason why. And so the ability to do this globally is pretty good keeping the deliverability clean. You know what I'd
1: like to know? I would like to know what percentage of all the contacts in all the all the HubSpot portals out there, what percentage of contacts are in multiple portals. What do you reckon the overlap would be? I think there'd be a fair bit of overlap, great. But what like what what would you expect like 10%, 50%? I reckon probably like 20 to 30%. Twenty to thirty percent. We're
0: just we're just talking random numbers
1: here. Now. And see, the thing is, over time, that overlap is just going to grow until correct
0: because un- we are a platform.
1: That's right. We're pla- until uh, at one day, which you know will come when every single company and person in the world is using, using HubSpot. Right? We know that's, that day is coming. That may by by definition, therefore, every single person in the world will be in a HubSpot database somewhere. Yes. The overlap would have to be incredibly high imagine the bounce stats they'll have there. Their
0: deliverability will just be incredible. They'll know exactly which contacts won't okay. go. Anyway. Okay, now coming back, we spoke about a tool that we we'll are using called Never Bounce to actually help clean up lists. And I think this is a really good thing. This is, we're, we're putting both of our businesses, we're putting this a part of our process. This is so good. Thanks to you. I actually used this today, this afternoon
1: on a client's uh, database just to find all the invalid ones and, and yeah, clean out the chunk.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you why. I'm still stuck in my little malarkey of, you know... Oh, you're still in the HubSpot quarantine. Um, I'm still, we talked I'm about still this quarantine three or four episodes ago. Still. My, that list, my customer list is still quarantined. My get out of jail free card isn't working. What do I have to say? I've I've got to produce all the documentation now, which I've got to get off my customer, which is proving incredibly hard. But regardless... What I want to say, this is a really good process to have and if you're an agency or you're somebody in marketing that manages data that's given to you to put into marketing from other systems within your business, even though they might be communicated, asking the right questions, running them through something like NeverBounce and checking your list cleanliness is a big key thing to do. So you see, I'm going to use Neverbounce on every client now.
1: I was chatting with this client. They're only small, HubSpot uh, started. they got 1,200 contacts thereabouts, and they had had a, an issue with um, – they got a warning chatting about, oh, what are we are going to do, opt out this. I said, oh, look, I'll run it through Neverbounce. I said, look, it's an external tool. It does have an additional charge. He's like, oh, okay, no worries. Well, I'll, I'll have to get approval for that. Um, how much do you think it's going to cost? I
0: don't know what was in his <laughs> mind, but I think, I think he was thinking, oh,
1: it's going to be a dollar per contact or something like that to get it of checked. Course it's
0: a dollar per contact, <laughs> <laughs> a dollar Greg. per contact.
1: Anyway, I said, oh, okay, look, I'll just look at their pricing. And you know, it's 0.8 of a cent per Correct. contact. I said, oh, yes. it's going to cost you about $10. <laughs> it's like, it's a
0: no-brainer. $10 to check that your database list is clean? Don't get caught in the situation we're in and do your due diligence when you're putting contacts in. All right, Craig, on to our sales tip of the week. And this could also be a marketing feature. This is the ability to collect contact information without disabling cookie tracking on forms. Now, this is great if you're going to trade shows or maybe you had a standard inbound and you were collecting leads. You could use this feature because one of the things you would know when you fill out a HubSpot form, you get the cookie tracking so you don't have to fill out your details again on that form, right? And then you used to have the ability to actually disable the tracking if that one form was being used multiple times. The feature now is that it can still have the tracking on or does it it get switched off? Oh, no, no. So, this one
1: is basically it's a setting that says if the email address is different, create a new contact, You could be the same person in submitting this form. So, a new email address, I will create a new contact. Whereas before, with the cookie, yeah, the cookie would tie them together. And before, you'd have to say, oh, we'll turn off that cookie thing to try and avoid it.
0: That's an interesting, yeah, it's an interesting scenario. I'm just thinking of a scenario that I'm just coming up against with... uh, one of our customers, when we're collecting additional details. It's put as a marketing
1: feature because, you know, maybe it happens on websites or communal terminals in some places. But I think I see this in a sales yeah, bridge, absolutely. trade shows. It is a- if you think about some of your businesses, you know, where they go up to yes. people, they've got a, uh, just an iPad with a simple Correct. form, just yeah. typing people in and all of this creates new contacts. Bang, bang, bang. And, you know, the thing about this, this should have been in there right from the start. Before we would explain to clients, oh, there's this cookie thing and you got to do this. And they're like, "All oh, right." right. You show them this, oh, new email, new contact. Oh, it's just so much simpler, right? It's kind of obvious in hindsight.
0: Now, Craig, there was one thing I want to talk about, and this is actually probably helpful for sales. It's about adding a meeting link to your contacts. It's a feature that you can actually implement in a, put it into a contact property is to actually run a workflow. So obviously, you've got to be having a, Sales professional or marketing professional to do this, running a workflow to insert the contact owner's meeting link against that contact, which you can then use in the emails or communication that you send out to your contacts.
1: Yeah, that's right. So let's go back a step just to explain this. So let's say you're sending out a bulk email to all these different people on your list and you want to include a link so that the recipient can book in a meeting with whoever their account manager is. Now previously couldn't really do that. So this nice little hack, this is from a HubSpot blog, is as you said, create a custom property, populate it with the meeting link. However, you need a workflow that goes through to populate that property with the meeting link. Now I was thinking about this and I was thinking, well, you know, if we know who the contact owner is, couldn't we somehow say, what's the contact owner's meeting link? And if they only had one meeting link, well, maybe that would make sense. But of course, you can have multiple meeting links. So, the reason for the workflow is to say, oh, well, you'll pick the meeting link and put it in. I still think there's an opportunity to make this simpler by having this is my default meeting link. Yes. And so then… Well, there is a default. Is there? Yeah, there is. When you create multiple, there is always a default. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, I think you should be able to just pull that contact, I think that should be able to be accessed from a contact property where you say, contacts, yep. contact owner's default meeting link. Correct. And I think you should be able to access all, anything that's from the contact owner's profile in the contact record in itself as a personalization token. Agreed. Surely that would get around it.
0: Anyway, here's another way to get around it. <laughs> yeah, this is a nice little hack for the meantime. <laughs> all right, Craig, on to our gotcha of the week. Now, here's a little gotcha. So, we've been talking about messenger integration into conversations. Which is fantastic. And we love it. So, I've actually integrated this for a customer of ours. And my customer, who has somebody new in customer support, was being very proactive outside of business hours, right? So, here I was, I was working away. I saw this message come through, and it is one of our customers that they roast and sell coffee, right? So, I quite enjoy working with them. You know, we love coffee. So, So I thought, okay, cool. Someone's on there. I think I could answer this question. Anyway, somebody jumps on. I kind of missed the first bit thinking, oh, he's just asked a few questions. I get in on the conversations, start having a chat. It's actually one of our friends who works there now, Jerry. So he looks after customer service. So I figured, okay, I know who this is going to go to. I'll assign this to Jerry. When he gets to work tomorrow morning, he'll sort it out. Anyway, here we are having a chat. The guy's asked me questions. Can I come and get this? Yeah, sounds all right. Do I need to order it online? I said, no, it should be all right. <laughs> you should be able to come and collect this, okay? Anyway, so the conversation's going on. I ask him for his phone number so we can contact him in the morning. And he goes great. See you later. All done. Anyway, I thought, okay, I'm just going to check this. I'll just go up the chain here to check the conversation. Anyway, I, I see that Jerry actually started responding at the start but it showed up as an automated message and I couldn't tell who it was and then when I've gone back to the chat transcript I can see it says it's an automated message even though Jerry has signed off at the end so there's the gotcha for the week because if he didn't contact me I would not have realized that it was actually him who actually put that message it actually shows up as an automated message right so the gotcha
1: is incorrect labeling Yeah. So, can I just check, do you have a chat bot on this particular conversation channel? Or is it only Facebook Messenger? Only
0: Facebook Messenger.
1: I don't know why it's got automated then. Are you sure you don't have a chat? I'm pretty sure I
0: don't. Maybe I need to go check it.
1: Because I suspect it might be a bit of a bug with, I don't know actually, because we don't get that in ours.
0: Yeah, right. They don't show
1: up as automated.
0: Let me go check it out.
1: Yeah. What is this?
0: Live troubleshooting. Live troubleshooting on the podcast. So, let me go check that out and we will have to get back to you guys. But there you go. I'm pretty sure it's not. So, Shot 5, our marketing tip of the week.
1: And this is one you found. This is a new tool from Think With Google.
0: Yes, Craig. I love finding new tools, as you know. And I love it when people like Elliot send me new tools as well. So, this is a tool that I found on Think With Google. It's called Find My Audience. And it helps you understand who your most valuable customers are on YouTube. So you can discover new audiences and learn how to reach them individually with relevant messages. So there's kind of three things that they said it would do. I have to admit, it was a bit of a confusing experience we were having. This was a terrible user experience. I'm not going to hold back, right? Because you saw how much
1: I was struggling. I was pressing this button, find my audience and going, no errors and all kinds. You were,
0: you were having a user, not a very good user experience.
1: No, look, and I don't know if that was the classic ID10T error, or, um, you know, found where the, found where the problem <laughs> was, it's between the chair and the keyboard. But look, I, I actually just, yeah, I found it frustrating. And I, I well, here's, I, I, I challenge our listeners, go to this link to find your audience link and see how long it takes you to work out what you have to do in order to get your audience profile.
0: I'll just tell you the three things that they're trying. They're trying set find, identify and build. So identify new audiences that match your current business goals, whether you're focused on building awareness or growing consideration. So they're talking funnel language here. Next was to identify, get insights into your unique audiences, interests, habits and what they're actively planning to purchase. And the third one is build your YouTube audience strategy with your free and shareable audience profile. So as a little example, we went through this and we chose, okay, we wanted to target people that were interested in business services and marketing specifically. It was really interesting. There were the five top channels that people that were in our target were looking at on YouTube. Grant Cardone was one of them. There were a few other people that I'd never heard of, which is really interesting. Well, CNBC and then TMZ. Yeah. I'm like, really? That's right. And then there were also interested in other things that were that that they were kind of related to. So it was it is an interesting insight because, as you would know, in Google Ads, you have this ability to select affinity audiences and in market audiences. So people not necessarily, especially for in market not really searching for your product or service, but Google knows they are in the market to buy that. So it gives you the ability to get in front of them because they're actually in the buying process. Anyway, this is the way to do it on YouTube and this tool is, is supposed to give you the ability to find those channels that people are actually going to.
1: You know, the thing I'll say about this, because I'm very dubious about affinity audiences, I have to say, unless you're a huge brand with a massive budget. However, I'm going to counter that and say, we've just been doing some testing on Facebook lately where we're making our audiences massive. We're starting with very large audiences. So broad, is that? Really broad, like 3 million wow. size audiences. And we're letting Facebook's algorithms and machine learning based on conversions do the hard work. And it's very good. So I wonder if YouTube's algorithms for targeting your ads over time work on that same principle, like starting really broad and then just by iterative, they're learning and they're actually getting you down. But it's really got to be a conversion piece that you can measure. So for us on Facebook, it's normally tied to something on a website conversion, whereas on YouTube, I think that a lot of their conversion metrics are actually within or staying on the platform. So yes. I'm just wondering how you track an actual conversion in a meaningful way so that machine learning can trigger...
0: And there you have it. I guess we just got to test and measure that, hey? Well,
1: we just need smarter people and, well, me, maybe. I don't want to bring you down to my level, but we need smarter people that are doing this YouTube advertising. So listeners, if you're doing this on a big scale and getting really good results with these kind of tools, I'd love to hear from you. Because this whole Affinity and in-market audience, we hear Google promoting it so highly.
0: In our business, I do a lot of the paid advertising or I look after it. And I have used a lot of in-market and what I've found over time starts really well, but kind of fizzles out probably, let's say, good for about two to three months and then fizzles out to not really working. So, I've actually ended up stopping And stuff. do you find
1: that in specific industries? So, for example, in-market audiences, say, very good, say, in automobile, they're very good in, say, health and fitness. Finance. Kind of, finance. Not, but once you get into other industries, it's they're nowhere near as correct. focused, right?
0: Yes, and I think it's all, all to do with the way data is being collected and how much that they can associate or tie things together within that industry. So, you're absolutely right. It's all to do with the data that we're getting. All right, Craig, on to our insight of the week.
1: All right. Now, I'm actually going to cut this short because I was going to talk about, in light of what we discussed at the Hug, just around how we target this podcast. So, we'll save that for next week because we have come up. We're pretty close to time. But here's what we're going to cover. We're going to cover when we think about promoting our podcast. Are we talking top of the funnel, middle of the funnel or bottom of the funnel? Because and I the think, middle of the flywheel? And the middle of the flywheel. <laughs> because I think it might surprise some people how we approach it and based on our circumstances. And it's really to do with the size of our business, the target audiences that we have and the actual goals behind it. And so the way we approach it might be different and perhaps useful for listeners. So hang out for that next week.
0: Absolutely. Now, our app of the week, Craig, is Overcast. And if you go to overcast.fm, this is our favorite podcast player. And it is only available on Apple devices. So if you've got one of those fancy new iPhones, it'll work on it for sure. But if you've got an Android device, no. But one of the reasons we love this podcast player is the ability for it to do smart speed on playback, cut out all the pauses and it's just a great experience. I've, ever since you introduced it to me, I've been using it and I love it. Do you know anyone that listens to a podcast on one-time speed? I'm sure there are some people that do. I don't do. know
1: anyone. Everyone listens to podcasts. At, um, well,
0: actually, my wife, Charlene, she probably does. Really? Why? Doesn't she get bored? When she listens to me listening to podcasts, she goes, oh, this is too fast. Can you slow it down? <laughs> so anyway, so there you go. I've told you one person. Okay, well there you go. <laughs> yeah, it only takes one to dispel <laughs> my thinking. So well done. All right, we've got a resource of the week, which is the guide to the biggest SEO myths on the web, and this is from SEM Rush. Barry Schwartz actually wrote a, a guest post for them Rush. This is excellent.
1: It talks about biases, cognitive biases, the way we think about things, the way people embrace myths in SEO, the way they get perpetuated, often because you know it's people that don't know. Or people trying to make a name for themselves. Or small sample size, All this kind of thing. Anyway, it's a massively long post. And I will admit, I did not finish reading this. Isn't
0: this a pillar, piece it of pillar content, It is a monster Greg?
1: post. It is so good. The first half is all about the biases and okay. the setup, which I have read. The second part is he goes through a whole bunch of the myths, which I haven't yet finished. And here's the thing. This post is so good and so big and so long. That Of you course, to share it? <laughs> Of course, it got shared by so many people. I bet... 90% of the people that shared this post didn't read any of it. They just went, wow, this is a monster post. I'll share this and look as though I'm informed. It is a monster. So, yeah, well worth, um, well, note to self, well worth finishing.
0: And here is a quote from our new speaker at Inbound 2020 from Sir Richard Branson. <laughs> Disclaimer. I view life as a one big adventure. I'm always learning and finding new things to try and challenges to overcome. There you have it, Craig. I just thought it was so apt because I think a lot of what we do and how we work with businesses is a lot of learning, a lot of big adventures, and a lot of overcoming challenges. So there you go. Well, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We would love you to share this podcast with somebody else that you would find it useful. And we would love if you could leave us a
1: review. Oh, when you showed me that review that we got recently, I was so good. Thank you so much for that. I think people don't realize how much of an impact it has on them when we get really nice. Because we're so
0: lonely here.
1: Yeah, you get a few nice comments and it just makes our day. So thank you so much for that. Really appreciate it.
0: All right, Craig. I hope you have a great week. Catch you
1: later, Ian. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hubshots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com.